0: Well, Welcome to uh, Christmas season. How are we doing? Good. Are people ready for Christmas? Yeah, I'm not talking shopping or those things. I'm just saying, is your spirit ready for Christmas? Yeah. If you, uh, if you ever feel like you're not ready for Christmas or you just don't want to be here on a Sunday morning, I'd encourage you to, to step out of your row And go into the back corner and see the pandemonium that takes place with all of the kids that are dancing in the back corner. If you just need a shot of joy, sometimes (laughs) that is the place to go. It is is a beautiful picture uh, of joy back there. So, uh, Advent means coming. We celebrate the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. It's a season of waiting, a season of expectation. It's when we begin to look forward towards his second coming the second coming of Jesus. We celebrate this in the four Sundays before Christmas. This Sunday marks the beginning of the liturgical calendar. It's really this idea of starting over, preparing, waiting. That is what we celebrate today. Over the following weeks, we're going to study the, the kind of traditional topics of Advent, love, joy, and peace. This morning, we're going to talk about hope. Hope is a beautiful theme that runs throughout the Bible. It's throughout the Old Testament. Many of our Old Testament heroes, the Old Testament characters, display incredible and beautiful hope. And although the word itself is really only used two different times in the Gospels, and Jesus doesn't actually ever teach on this idea of hope, the New Testament letters are filled with hope. Paul kind of being a champion of this theme, speaking about hope in a lot of different ways. After his long discourse on love, and in speaking about the finality of the salvation that is to come, he says this, And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's the end of 1 Corinthians 13. Faith, hope, and love are a very familiar triad in the history of the church and in New Testament writing. They represent the three great pursuits... ...of the Christian life. Some would say that they are the three imperishables. Yet of the three imperishables, I would argue that hope is the lost middleman. Squeezed in between the great pillar of faith, the great pillar of love. And they have kind of overshadowed this idea of hope. Let me explain it this way. Faith is the trust that we have in God. Trust for His forgiveness and His acceptance through Jesus Christ. It's largely a mental pursuit, the changing of what we believe, the changing of how we view and understand the world. For me, this happened in my junior year, going into my senior year of high school at a Young Life camp. I sat at these talks uh, each and every night for six days at a Young Life camp and for the first time heard the gospel presented to me in a way that something changed, something happened. I heard about Jesus. I heard about his forgiveness. I heard about the life that he offered to me, and there was a moment of faith where the light bulb went on and everything was different for me. I came home. I can remember. uh, So before this, um, I was somewhat of a rebellious child. My parents are here. They can testify to that. But uh, I came home and kind of got back in with that same group of friends uh, that I had before I had left for camp. Came home, and uh, we were doing... Just some general high school shenanigans around town. I'll, I'll leave it at that. And uh, one of the guys, he made this statement. This is probably within a week or two of coming back. He made this statement as, as my attitude, my, my actions were different. And he said, wow, Kevin, you really are different. That idea of, well, he went to camp and he had an experience, but maybe, maybe it was just kind of left at camp. But I came home and I really was a changed person. Faith changed my life. For some of you, your experience may be like this, like mine, that it just happened. A word was said, a message was given, something changed, you begin to believe something different. Others, it might be a process that evolved over weeks and months and years or an entire lifetime. Whatever the case is, whatever your experience is, faith is the action of believing God is who he says he is somewhat of a mental pursuit. Faith gets a lot of play in our current culture. One of the questions we want to ask each other is, well, when did you come to faith? Essentially asking, when did you stop believing this thing and begin to believe in Jesus Christ? We often talk about our need to solidify our faith. This we do through apologetics or through the study of theology so that we can ground our faith with as much reason as possible. As much as it's something we build and bolster over time, our faith really is the starting point of the journey. Faith is critically important because through it we are saved by the grace of God. Now, love. The other pillar, on the other end of hope in that passage I read earlier. Really, love is kind of the VIP of the imperishables. It's the guest of honor, the quintessential, the BMOC, or the big man on campus. It gets the most airtime on Sundays, and it should. The scripture says that God is love. That's a pretty powerful statement, a pretty profound statement. Paul asserts that it is the greatest of these, he says in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, we all know that love is much more than an emotion. At its nature, love is action. Love is the outflowing of our faith. You see, if we truly believe Jesus is who he says he is, i.e. have faith, then the only reasonable response to that is that of a life of extravagant love towards others and towards God. Love is really the primary Christian duty, the central point of the greatest commandment, Mark 12, 29 through 31. All of Christian action, our missionality, to use a word that we use a lot, is driven by love. Those who come to faith in Jesus soon begin the process of figuring out how to love in a way that honors Jesus. And in so doing, we become more and more like Him. But this... Leaves out hope because, you see, what starts in faith is fulfilled in love. But where's hope in that equation? The middleman of the three imperishables. What's the place of hope in that statement? What starts in faith is fulfilled in love. Let's pray and then we'll journey into this. God, be with us this morning. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Open our minds, Lord, may your scriptures come to us in new ways. Lord, we celebrate Advent. We celebrate your coming. We anticipate and we wait for your coming, Lord. And in this time, we pray that we would be a hopeful people. So speak to us this morning, God. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Hope at its core is an irrational feeling that life will get better. It's the illogical sense amidst all the pain and suffering and hurt and brokenness that God still is active, that God still is working, that God still is present, and that God's promises are true, and that there is a life for us beyond this life. You see, we live in this interesting time between the two comings of Christ. He came in the Christmas story, but he's coming again. We look backward to the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and ascension of Christ. And we look forward to the joy of one day being with the Father in heaven. And I contend that hope is what sustains us in the meantime. You see, that statement I said before, what begins in faith is fulfilled in love, or what begins in faith is fulfilled in love, is really sustained by our hope. Although not explicitly talked about in the Gospels very much, as I mentioned earlier, hope really drives the entirety of the Christmas story. The hope that Jesus was the Messiah. The Messiah that these people had been waiting for, for years and years and years. Hope is the reason that Joseph stays in the picture. The hope in the Christ child is what causes Mary to rejoice and sing praise after visiting Elizabeth. Hope is what sustains Mary and Joseph as they seek place for their birth, for the birth of their son. Hope is what brings the shepherds to the manger. Hope is why the Magi bear gifts. Hope is why the Magi go home by a different way, as the scripture says. And hope is what carries the new family as they travel to Egypt fleeing persecution. The Christmas story is driven by hope. It's really a story of hope. Hope in the coming Messiah that these people had been waiting for for years and years and years. It's a story of unknown and unimportant people called by God, sustained by hope to fulfill His plan. Jesus was the hope they had been waiting for, eagerly waiting for centuries. And like the hope of those first called by God in the Christmas story, we carry on the legacy as we eagerly await the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it's easy, or, or maybe you think it's easy, to see hope in the Christmas story, but what does hope really mean in our context? Let's turn to First Peter 1, through 3-9, and let's read this scripture. I think this is, is an incredibly clear and beautiful picture of hope, and this is what it says. though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials so that the testing so so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ though you have not seen him you love him though you do not see him though do you not now see him you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith The salvation of your souls. When Peter considers the glorious salvation of God, he can do nothing but praise the Lord. This passage reminds us that the salvation we receive is through the mercy of God and only through the mercy of God. And that not only is it our inheritance undefiled and unfading, as the scripture says, and that it's kept for us by God's power, but that we ourselves are being guarded by God's power until the time that salvation is ready, is near. In this we we rejoice, says Peter, and even though we will experience pain, we rejoice for this truth. Because these trials test our faith and they build our hope. We are refined in the trials of life. We hold on to hope even in the darkness because we know that the outcome of our faith is salvation, the salvation that God offers. This passage speaks clearly that our hope is not in some distant or metaphysical idea, but in the living person of Jesus Christ and the very very real salvation that he offers. And just as our hope is in a living God, our hope should take on the character of being lived. It's a hope that is real and not imagined, tested and proven, even when we are grieved by life's various trials. When the world operates out of despair, we hold on to the hope of the revelation Of Jesus Christ. That is the kind of people we are called to be. You see, living hope is what sustains our faith and allows us to love even though we do not see Him. Living hope is what sustains our faith and allows us to love even though we do not see Him. This is where our stories connect with the Christmas story we, like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the magi, can be a living hope for the world around. There's tension in this. Because I believe hope is a diminished or even lost idea in our culture. And that fear and despair has taken its place. Fear and despair that drives our emotions, that drives our actions, and drives our thoughts. And we have believed to some extent that the ways out of them are through optimism and happiness. Be happy, don't worry. Be optimistic and everything will be okay. Here's what Nouwen says about this. Optimism and hope are radically different attitudes. Optimism is the expectation that things, the weather, human relationship, the economy, the political situation, and so on will get better. Hope is the trust that God will fulfill God's promises to us in, a very way, in the very way that leads us to true freedom. The optimist speaks about concrete changes in the future. The person of hope lives in the moment with the knowledge and trust that all of life is in good hands. I think that's a beautiful quote that gets at the idea of the differences between optimism, between happiness, and a true, real hope that we can carry, a living hope in Jesus Christ. I'll be honest and say the power of positive thinking and the pursuit of happiness, they will not work. They are not the answer. They are temporal answers to an eternal problem. And hope is the only true and real answer that we have in our world. The hope that we have in Christ and His glorious return is the only thing that can truly sustain our lives. For if we do not hope, then what do we have to rely on? Some will argue that hope is nothing more than a way to escape the world's problems. That hope is a simple or ignorant way of of just letting God off the hook for all the pain and brokenness in our world. But I refuse to think of hope in this way. True living hope is staring at this pain, staring at brokenness, and saying, while I do not understand, I eagerly wait and trust in your promised return, Lord. I eagerly understand and trust in your presence with me here and now, Jesus. Lewis said this, I must keep alive in myself the desire For my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others do the same. The country he's talking about is heaven. That we were a people created for heaven. That we try to fill our lives with other things, but nothing really quenches that thirst. And the only thing that will quench it is Jesus and the salvation that he offers. And so he says, I must fix my eyes on that. And I must bring others along in that process. I must be a living hope that others can follow. Hope is one of the last things that we have to offer to the world. But hope is missing. Look around. Look within yourselves. Hope is what the world craves. Hope is what we crave. And we try to fill it with success, with money, with comfort, safety, security, but none of these things will work. All of these things will fade. None of them will ever be enough. Only hope is the answer. A hope that came in the form of a little baby, A hope that dwelt among us. A hope that died for our sins. That rose and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And a hope that freely offers us us, eternal life. A hope that is present, is Emmanuel, God with us, right here, right now. That is the hope that we hold on to. This is the hope that we have. And although there are times when we walk through seasons when our hopes Feel distant and dim, that there's despair coming towards us, even the slightest hope can carry us through. Even the slightest hope can be a light for someone else. That is what it means to be a living hope. The book of Hebrews in the sixth chapter speaks of hope, the hope that we have as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul our hope is anchored in the truth of the first coming of Jesus Christ and in the belief of the second coming of Jesus Christ. But our hope is also anchored in the understanding that Christ's continued presence is here with us now. Emmanuel, the name he was given, God with us. In this middle time between these two comings, we believe the way to be a living hope is to embody this idea that hope is here and now, to hold on to the idea that hope is here and now, that Jesus is with us. We look to the past, we look to the present, but we understand that we are with God now. And this is what we can offer to the world around. We have to fight against despair, we have to fight against fear, and hold on to this idea of hope. We cannot lose sight, for it is a gift that we have been given. When our souls are anchored in hope, then we will not be swept away by the shifting currents of culture and the rising waters of despair. For what begins in faith and is finished in love can only be sustained in hope. This is what we celebrate on the first Sunday of Advent. Let's stand, and I'm going to end by reading a poem by Henry Nouwen, and then the band will come back up. This is a poem about this idea of hope, and this is what it says. Hope means to keep living amid desperation and to keep humming in the darkness. Hoping is knowing that there is love. It is trust in tomorrow It is falling asleep and waking again when the sun rises. In the midst of a gale at sea, it is to discover land. In the eyes of another, it is to see that you are understood. As long as there is still hope, there will also be prayer. And God will be holding you in God's hands. Let us pray.